We might be too young to have a spotted cow, but we are both diehard Packers fans. I could talk about this for hours. He was my legend. He was my quarterback one. Taysom Hill, forever in my heart. We have a kind of a reputation of being the young, the young diehard fans. How was that, Dr. Pepper Taysom? Amazing. Hey, good. Let's keep it under 25 minutes, all right? Welcome back to the Underage Packers podcast. And this offseason of 2023, we're just getting started in this offseason, really. There's still football to watch. We're, we still have the draft on the horizon here. We're not in the dark months of May, June, July yet. Um, before, I mean, there, there's a long break between the, you know, the, the post-draft content and then pre-camp hype. That's a long break. So enjoy this time in January while we can. Um, Big B, how are you surviving these last few weeks? You know, I've really taken up the passion of uh, whale watching. It's been really helping me. What are you, 85 years old? <laughs> whale watching in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, there's whales there? Yes, we got many whales. Really? Are you, are you being sarcastic or is this Oh, yeah. Tra- okay. Totally. Oh, okay. You had me convinced there, and I probably <laughs> look really dumb now, but that's that's great to hear of your fictional hobby. Yes. Um this is your first time watching. We appreciate it. If you can't tell by our names below us here, I'm Joey, and this is my co-host, Big B. So today, we will be talking about Aaron Rodgers, but I promise we will have more to talk about than just that, because I'm sure every single piece of Packers content that you have consumed over these past three weeks have been completely focused on Aaron Rodgers and what he might do. But we will also be talking about uh, Joe Barry. Um, and looking back at the Packers um, interview list that they had when they were searching for a new defense coordinator in the January of 2021, we will be taking a look back at Brian Gutekind's, uh draft history now that he will be going into his 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, 22, his sixth draft as the Packers general manager in 2023. Uh, so we'll be taking a look back at those. And then uh, we'll have some other pieces of Packers content going on in the Packers blogosphere to talk about. So without further ado, let's get on with our Aaron Rodgers talk. Now, obviously, Aaron Rodgers is going to dominate the headlines, and especially when he goes on with Pat McAfee. And, you know, Aaron, if you haven't gotten this by yet, because I feel like some fans just have not been able to grasp this yet, that Aaron Rodgers absolutely loves to play the villain. He loves to have a a chip on his shoulder, even if it is manufactured by him. And that, honestly, you can't hate him for it because that's part of what has made him so successful over his career. But yesterday on McAfee's show, he said, um, you know, as he has over the past two years, that people have labeled him as a villain almost purely because of his COVID vaccine um, stance, which I think most of that is created in his head, really, I don't know if Tom Fanning, uh, his you know per, pretty much personal Packers PR guy, is like feeding him stuff. Um, I don't know where he's getting this from. That all of his haters are just purely focused on his COVID stance. Aaron Rodgers, um, directly to you, I would not consider myself a hater of you, but let me just tell you my my negative thoughts that I might have towards you 
have nothing to do with your COVID stance. So let me put that out there. It is purely based on your play. Um, maybe a little bit of your personality, but not your political or COVID stance. Um, so at least there's one uh, of us. And that COVID stuff is like so two years ago, like maybe two years ago, people were hating on right. worst COVID vaccine, but now nobody cares at all. That shit's yeah. done with pretty much. Yeah, and I have, I mean, there might be, sure, a few people out there, but I feel like at least most football fans are not focused on that anymore. Yeah. Maybe the tabloids who are focusing on the celebrity side of Aaron Rodgers might still be focused on that. And that's, that's totally fair comment by him, but I don't think there's a lot of people that are basing their judgments on his play on that, on that decision by him. That was really, I mean, I don't, he's probably admitted this by now, but just a poor, poorly handled situation by him, but whatever, we'll move on from that. He loves to be this villain, loves to have the ship on his shoulder and you best believe he will Pull some of the same tactics that Breck Barr pulled back in 2008. If he does end up going to another team, um, not saying that he's going to have a deep desire to play with the NFC North team because, you know, he his relationship and his feelings about the Packers have changed ever since his holdout in 2020. He said he wanted to retire here this year. That was the whole goal of this extension that they worked out in uh, the past offseason. So, I don't think he'd be as vengeful as Brett Favre was, but I do think he he would very much get a thrill out of returning to Lambeau or playing against the Packers if he does end up doing that at some point in his career. And speaking of that, let's talk about a possible trade because these rumors have been building up every day since the season ended. And, you know, I, I think I take less out of the reports than a lot of people do because everything on Twitter is such moment by moment, literally hour by hour. Like there's a new rumor about him. There's new teams that might be interested in him. And while I don't take too much out of those, I will say my opinion on where this is going has changed since the day after the Lions game. After the Lions game and pretty much all throughout this past season, my thoughts was he's either going to walk away from a heck of a lot of money or he's going to continue playing for the Packers. I don't see him getting traded. But just based on kind of what Brian Gudikin said, what Aaron Rodgers has said, and taking just a little bit, a smidge out of the reports, I'm, you know, I feel pretty split on what he will do in this next year. But as he said on McAfee shows yesterday, he doesn't even know if he's going to play this year at all. So I think once we get into February, March, those talks will definitely pick up those discussions between Rodgers and the Packers. Just wanted to see where both sides are heading. Um, You know, Aaron Rodgers explicitly said on the McAfee show, while, you know, Big B even tweeted out there that he thinks, and a lot of people think that Rodgers' decision on if he wants to stick with the Packers is mostly going to based off of how many of his buddies stay on the team. And while that is an aspect of this, Rodgers is more so saying that he does not want to be a part of a rebuild, and he shouldn't. That would be stupid for the Packers to try to rebuild with their 39-year-old quarterback who is getting paid a lot of money. That, that would just not make sense. 
uh, for either side, really. Rodgers wants to go out there and win another championship, win another MVP. And if the Packers are rebuilding, that is not in the likelihood for Aaron Rodgers. So I completely get where Rodgers would want to see where the direction of this team is going. So I'm not sure where things are heading. I'm taking it day by day. My feelings, my opinions on everything that might happen, changing constantly. Uh, But Bigby, what has been your thoughts on this saga of Aaron Rodgers for the third year in the very early stages? Man, it uh, yeah, it's been a shit show um, the past couple weeks. Um, I think him being traded to the Jets is probably going to be the best offer that the Packers will probably get. So that will probably be the team. Yeah. Um, because of this, their crazy ass owner who are willing to give up probably two first round picks, which I'll happily take. I don't care. That that's perfect going into the Jordan Love era is to mm-hmm. have as many picks as you can possibly can to build a team around him. But yeah, everything is just irrelevant at this point until Aaron makes the decision. I'm just now I'm just gonna just step back, read a couple articles, see what you know at like Schefter and all them are yeah. actually saying in these articles if they do come out, but yeah, like Aaron said on Pat McAfee, everything's just irrelevant at this point until Aaron yep. makes the decision. And it'll probably be a month or two until he does. So, you know, we're just getting started. And it's already very annoying because we had to deal with this the past three years already. Definitely. And going back to what you mentioned and what I was talking about, about the direction of this team, it does feel like there is a disconnect from where the front office thinks this team is at and where us fans think the team is at. And I don't know which one of us is, is right. I'm more on the side of the fans, obviously. But the fans seem to be of the opinion that this team is not where it where it should be to run it back or go all in. And I, I just feel like you. Uh, the best case scenario for you is a trade to the Jets, like you mentioned, Big B, or another team. And what will be important to keep in mind over these trade discussions, if that does end up to be the decided outcome of this by both sides, is that, you know, obviously the team is wanting to get Aaron Rodgers as a player. Even at 39 going on 40, Aaron Rodgers would be the best quarterback certain teams have had in a decade, and even more than that, really. Um, But also... Getting Aaron Rodgers is a big-time marketing move for any of these teams. When Tom Brady was signed by the Buccaneers, they wanted Tom Brady as a player, but they also wanted the name Tom Brady. So, like you mentioned, uh, Big B, I I think the Jets owner, i got to look this up, but I want to say it's Mike Douglas, or maybe that's the uh, general manager here. Uh, I know it's a Packer player. (laughs) Wait, 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 what would I say? Mike Douglas, that's a former linebacker. <laughs> yeah. Don't know where I'm going. Okay, here we go. Owner for the Jets is Woody Johnson. Uh, but that the owner wanting a big marketing chess piece is going to play into this. Jim Rorsay is a crazy dude, um, as we've seen, and need of a quarterback, need of a new spark there in Indy. So could definitely see him 
You have the Raiders, and oh my God, if they didn't sell plenty of jerseys of Devontae Adams this past year, I can only imagine that both Devontae Adams jersey sales and then Aaron Rodgers would be huge for them, especially how cash-strapped they seem to be. I mean, they literally cannot afford to fire Josh McDaniels, which is a crazy, crazy thing, not being able to afford to fire somebody. Um, So would be big for a lot of these teams to have Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, speaking of that, the Packers do have Aaron Rodgers to think, obviously. And like I said in our previous episode, that if Aaron Rodgers does end up retiring or go to another team, you best believe no matter how we're talking about him now, we will have like an hour or two hour episode praising him for this past decade of great play. But the Packers business-wise do have a lot to thank Aaron Rodgers for. Um, so I don't know, man, but you can pay attention. You can go crazy over all the articles. You can do whatever over these past few months, but at the end of the day, it's going to be a mutual decision from both Aaron Rodgers and this Packers front office. Um, now, one last thing I wanted to talk about with Aaron Rodgers was these passionate stands of him. Okay. Now, this is purely on Twitter, and maybe it's a, a biased selection by me, but it seems to me that like there's a good part of the Aaron Rodgers stand club that is just like so hostile to anybody, <laughs> and like all of their opinions on this is purely based on logic. And like there are some reasonable Aaron Rodgers fans who make some decent points. Like Hey, he didn't have his best season this year, but he was playing with a broken thumb. He was playing with broken ribs. He didn't have Devontae Adams. He only had a great wide receiver in the second half of the season. Offensive line wasn't great for the whole year. And those are some very valid points. But the flip side of that is that he is 39, and this team is not at the the spot it should be. Um, and, you know, the the people who um, seem to be making those reasonable arguments on the Aaron Rodgers side seem to be either much less or just a silent majority coming from that side because there are plenty of people who are just very hostile, like, idiots who will, like, personally attack anybody who doesn't praise Aaron Rodgers. I mean, our friend Monty Moore was, like, I can't remember who he was told, but he was basically told he's worthless and like is just a uh, uh, idiot who needs to work out to feel meaning in life because he is jacked. But like, <laughs> what what are we going on? Like, can you not take a step back and be like, even though it is Twitter and you are hiding behind a, a you know a nameless profile picture and everything, like, can you take a step back and realize like, what are you doing with your life to the point that you are <laughs> going like this deep on a personal level on arguments about what team should do with Theron Rodgers. My God, it's annoying. But hey, you do you, I guess. Um, and I feel, I, I, I tweeted this out um, a few weeks ago, right after the season ended. Like, you got to be able to take your emotions out of this whole situation. And I honestly feel that if anybody should have strong emotions about this situation, it should be us two. Like, literally, Aaron Rodgers is a big part of why we love football. I'm sure I still would have been interested in it, but if the Packers weren't going to the playoffs nearly every year and having great success, 
because of Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if I'd be as in love with it as I am right now. And Big B meeting Aaron Rodgers will be one of the best days of his life, having that conversation with him. Aaron Rodgers seeing one of our videos will always be one of the greatest moments of our life. So, like, I feel like if anybody should be able to take their emotions or should have strong emotions in it, it should be us too. But somehow that's not the case. We are able to take our emotions out of it. And it, it is funny to see these Aaron Rodgers and going berserk over anybody that does not agree with them. The best tweet, though, I have seen from an Aaron Rodgers stand mm-hmm. is that, like, two-minute video of him literally, like, oh having God. an essay on, like, why Rodgers is, be- like, good. Like, it was hilarious, and that was the best thing I have watched in nearly, like, three months. It was hysterical. I need to ask Zachary Jacobson or somebody on Twitter to see if we can get that video because he deleted it, but basically – Zachary Jacobson, for some reason, is like a main target of these Aaron Rodgers stands. Honestly, I don't know why. I feel like there's a lot of people who act like Jake Morley and Zachary Jacobson, just these writers. I'm not trying to insult them or what they do because they obviously do great work. But like people are acting like they, they are like the mayors of Green Bay or like the president <laughs> of the Packers. Like, no, these are just like. Packers fans that right. So basically, Zachary Jacobson on Twitter was like, you know, somehow started a thread and he was kind of antagonizing this Aaron Rodgers uh, stand here. And he made him so mad that this Aaron Rodgers fan recorded a video in his car. It was the most awkward situation ever. He's sitting there like this and he's like, you know what, Zach, I'm working a real job here, but I'm so mad at you that I'm still going to record this video on the clock and tell you how much you suck. Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback alive. He's going to be great until he's 85 years old. If the Packers don't keep him for eternity and don't keep on paying him a ridiculous amount of money for him to underperform, then they are going down badly. Definitely paraphrasing a bit there. But it was so, so, so hilarious that this guy got so irritated with Zach's tweets. Um, and yeah, he, he did himself a prop there by deleting it, but it was so very entertaining for me to watch. I watched that video at 11 o'clock at night after a a very long day. I'd been gone from home from like 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. And (laughs) I get home, watch the most bizarre Adam Sandler movie I've ever watched. And then I see that while looking down at my phone, it's like, what is going on right now in the world? So... (laughs) Um, I won't mention that guy's app, but seriously, thank you for that, brother. Yeah, and props to him because he's getting paid on the job. I mean, he's getting paid. <laughs> to make that yeah, man. Got to give him credit there. Definitely. All right. Um, speaking of other things going on on Twitter, the week before this, Cheesehead TV writer Bruce Irons published an article uh, titled Three Reasons why the Packers should move on from Aaron Jones. And people, understandably, got irate. And, you know, Bruce was attacked on Twitter. She said TV was attacked on Twitter. There was people that were very confused and thought, like, every article from Cheesehead TV was, like, written between Aaron Nagler, Corey Banky, and Cheesehead TV because that's the only three faces they know from Cheesehead TV. 
even though Tyler, who runs the Chiefs at TV social media, like did not post that. Every article was published by a bot. Long story short, I, I thought people were overreacting to this a little bit because they were calling it clickbait. And I feel like people have kind of lost sight of what clickbait means. And while people have lost sight of what clickbait means in 2017, I mean, this is not yeah. news. Yeah. And, you know, the title of the article was definitely intended to get a reaction out of people and to get them to click on the link. And that is every news story, every piece of content. Um, but clickbait would be if Bruce titled the article, like, I don't know. Um, here's, I have proof the Packers are going to move on from Aaron Jones. Like, that's clickbait. But the title of the article was three right reasons why the Packers should move on from Aaron Jones. And he made three arguments on why the Packers should move on from Aaron Jones. And they weren't out of this world. He said, you know, it's he's getting up there in age for a running back. They're going to have to pay him a lot of money. They've, you know, kicked the can down the road with so many of these players. It, the only way to keep Aaron Jones really on a reasonable contract is to do that again with him. And honestly, like, moving on from Aaron Jones after year two was, like, the agreed-upon idea by almost every fan when this contract was signed. So, like, it wasn't an insane idea by Bruce. Aaron Jones is one of my favorite players, though. I disagree. I don't think they should. And I think they'll find a way to work it out at the end of the day. But I just I found people's overreaction to that funny. I messaged Bruce and just said, hey, I disagree with pretty much everything you said there besides your reasoning, which was completely fair. You made a solid argument that I disagree with. So, you know, that, that was just a bit funny to me. All right. Next on our list of discussion is Joe Barry. So I need to I need to pop up and die Dr. Pepper, right? Oh boy. Things are getting serious here. You know when the Dr. Peppers are opening. We're yeah. getting serious. Now, now we're getting into the nitty-gritty of this discussion here, all right? Look, I don't know how to feel about Joe Barry, okay? I see a lot of people that were upset that they didn't fire him after this season. And I can't say that I'm jumping up and down that they are keeping him. But if this team truly is planning on running it back like they plan to do, I'm here to tell you that keeping Joe Barry is probably the best thing to do in that scenario rather than hiring a new coordinator and starting a new system when you're trying to keep this team intact, really. And I just find it annoying that there are people out there who think firing a coordinator, going out there and getting a new one solves all of the problems on defense. I'm sure, you know, like, hey, Barry has not used his talent to uh, their best use. But hiring Jim Leonard, sure, that's great. Mike Pennon 2.0, that's all fine and dandy. He was great at Wisconsin, whatever. But he doesn't change the fact that Adrian Amos is regressing and that he's going to be an unrestricted free agent and they basically have nobody at safety. He's not going to change all the other depth, depth issues. He's not going to change all the other players that we were – hopeful on them developing and haven't gotten to where they should be yet. He can't change that. And maybe he can assist in the development of players, but Jim Leonard, no other defense coordinator can take a magic wand to all the Packers issues on defense and magically solve all of them. 
And, you know, it is hard, though, to look back at the potential coordinators that the Packers interviewed in 2021 after moving on from Mike Pettin. All right. Joe Barry was a guy that had two failed stints at defensive coordinator and then was a linebackers coach with the Los Angeles Rams. And at the time he was hired, there was a lot of people that were not in support of this. And my main argument at that time was like, look, you doing a simple search of his Wikipedia page, simple search of PFF does not give you all the information you need. I'm I'm 100% sure that Matt LaFleur was completely aware of those previous stints when he hired him and he still thought he is good enough to be my defensive coordinator. However, now looking back at it, it's like, man, history repeated itself and here we are again. Um, and hey, Joe Barry could have some magical turnaround in year three, but who knows? But they also interviewed Packers cornerbacks or secondary coach Jerry Gray, who was with a team, I want to say one or two years at the time that he was interviewed. And then also Ajiro Evero, who is now receiving head coaching interviews with the Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans after he put up a really good defensive unit in Denver, even on an awful, awful team. And Jerry Gray, heck, is now receiving D.C. interviews. He's been a defense coordinator in the league before, but he's receiving defense coordinator interviews for Chicago and Atlanta. So it, it just feels like, Matt LaFleur really missed out on two great candidates here. Uh, Evero specifically was my favorite um, when um, during this, that hiring process um, because he was going to be kind of the same thing that um, Matt LaFleur had wanted in Joe Barry um, in the Fangio type system. But LaFleur had spent some time with Barry, was not as familiar with Evero. So that's ultimately why Barry got the nod, and he has not performed um, so far. Uh, Big B, what are your thoughts now in hindsight, looking back at that hiring process and really the future of Joe Barry? Yeah, I mean, of course, I want, I really want Joe Barry to be fired, but like you said, it makes no sense if we're running it back. Mm -hmm. um, I really wish we hired Evero because, man, I think things would be so much different. I think the defense would have been so much better if you can make the Broncos defense, how good made it made them that good. Yeah. You can only imagine what he can do with all that talent on our defense, but you know, looking back to this, this season, last season, whatever you want to say now that we're not playing in the playoffs anymore, like, I would really be curious to see if all those players on defense still regressed and still didn't make the like second year jumps, yeah. third year jumps that we were um, expecting. Like if Evero was the defense's coordinator, I'm just, I'm just thinking, do they still regress last right. year? Like do, uh, who do we say? Darnell Savage. Does he actually progress? and develop into an actual good safety. Like these are the questions I have, but if those don't happen, I mean, I think we'd be in the same boat, honestly, as we are right yeah. now. Yeah. And honestly, I don't know too much about the plays that Barry is calling. I know most of them aren't working, but the biggest thing from 
even 3,000 steps back, is like this team, especially on defense, does not know how to utilize their talent. There were so many players that took way too long to be replaced. And when they came in, it was like, oh, my God, how have they not been in this role all season? Why did it take so freaking long for Rasul Douglas to be moved outside when the slot was clearly not working for him? Why did it take so long for Rudy Ford to get snaps on this defense and Darnell Savage to virtually take a spot on the bench? So frustrating, and I blame half that on Barry, but also, like I said, that's happening on all three phases, whether it be Keyshawn Nixon at punt and kick returner, whether that be, you know, Christian Watson getting more involved, although he did have injuries, figuring out the offensive line. Just it seems like this coaching staff does not have a proper grip on how to move their pieces. And it's frustrating. And, you know, that's the the one thing you can sit and blame Barry for, for sure. And, you know, the one caveat to what I said earlier about starting over, and you mentioned this too, starting over, when you're trying to, I guess, go all in, when you're trying to keep the same team intact, the one caveat to that is that Jerry Gray would be at least a little bit familiar with all of these players. Um, and I'm sure he would definitely put his own spin on the system, but I'm sure you know he understands what these players are familiar with, what they've been running, and, you know, honestly... I would rule out the possibility of Barry being fired and then finding an outside candidate, but I don't put a 0% chance on the Packers maybe evaluating this and saying, look, let's, let's write this wrong and go with gray at defense coordinator. And I don't think Joe Barry is going to get any jobs anytime soon. So let's value his voice and keep him as a defensive assistant. Ain't that great. But yeah, the defense coordinator maddening process Maddening to look back on who they missed out on, um, opposed to the 2019 head coaching cycle when there was a lot of bad coaches in there, but they ended with Matt LaFleur, who, I mean, at the time was pretty similar to Joe Barry's previous coaching career, where he was not great as a player caller in Tennessee. But because of the system he was running, that's why the Packers hired him to get the Shanahan offense in, and he's been successful so far. Same thing with Barry. He did not have a great track record, but he was going to run that Vic Fangio system. But complete opposite has not worked out too great yet. So that's our Joe Barry talk for today. I'm sure there's just about as many people that are as passionate about um, keeping Aaron Rodgers as there is moving on from Joe Barry. So I'm sure few people will take umbrage to what we've said there. Um, but it's not like I'm saying Joe Barry's great defense coordinator. Now, moving on, we've talked about, you know, all the, we're talking about all the levels here today. We focus on one player and Aaron Rodgers. We focus on the direction this team is going overall. We focused on coaches. And now we're moving one step forward to um, the front office. At the end of the episode, we'll talk about Wes Hockwitz and Mike Spofford in the media office. I don't know. But <laughs> Brian Gudikins here. Uh, I wanted to take a look back at his drafts because – I feel like my opinion on Gutekind's changes every year. I told him at training camp this past year when I met him, I said, hey, man, keep doing great work because I wanted him to have my confidence. I'm sure I helped him along there, made some decisions. 
I mean, I'm not lying. He looked like the happiest man in the world when I told him that. He's probably thinking when he came up to like some 17-year-old kid, he's like, ah, crap. This kid's a Madden player, and he's going to tell me I'm doing everything wrong. But he looked very happy when I gave him that compliment. But I'm definitely more on the support side and then hating all of his decisions. But let's let's take a proper evaluation on at least his drafts. And I want to write an article eventually on evaluating everything that encompasses a GM job and how good he can sit down on that. But the drafts specifically, first, let's look at his first round picks, which have honestly been very, very good, if I would say so myself. So you have Jair Alexander in the first round of his first draft home run at pick 18. I mean, no matter what came out of this trade, like disregard that, but the fact that they moved from 12 to, I want to say 26 back to 18 to get Jair Alexander and a first round pick out of that bombshell grand slam plus Brian Gutekinds. And the next year they get Rashawn Gary, another home run. Darnell Savage. Um, then in 2021 or no 2020 can't skip Jordan Love. Still too early to tell. 2021, you get Eric Stokes, too early to tell. Promising rookie season, not so great of a sophomore year. Then this year, you get Devontae Wyatt and Quay Walker, which we'll have to see what turns into them. Both of them showed promise this year, but their seasons were also filled with rookie mistakes. Now, the first round for Gudikins has been a much more prettier picture than day two. Okay. So brace yourselves. All right. You have the good, which is Christian Watson, A.J. Dillon, Elton Jenkins. You can maybe include Josiah DeGuire in there if you want. But then the bad list is much longer. You have Jay Sternberg, Josh Jackson, Oren Burks, Amari Rogers, and still way too early to tell, but Sean Ryan had a disappointing season from what we heard. So day two is not great, okay? And what I really want to look at with Gutekinds is kind of what those drafts can tell us about the direction this team was heading in and kind of how they have helped uh, this team over the past few years. So in 2018, Gutekinds, you know, was handed a pretty bad team, okay? And he adds great player in Jair Alexander, he also gets Marquez Valdez-Scantling in that draft. Um, so a, a solid there. And then when you look at, I think, the the one that tells us really the most about the direction the team was heading at that time was 2020, when this front office wanted to get the Matt LaFleur team. And that was very evident with Jordan Love, with A.J. Dillon, and Josiah DeGuara, all players that could have been picked by Matt LaFleur himself, and we'd have, you know, not no surprise at all. And, you know, this team, with how they did in 2020 and 2021, kind of changed the opinion of this front office about where they were going. And, you know, the comments at that time in 2020 were, you know, this draft class, sure, in five years it might look good, but the Packers need to be an all-in team now and to make the most about with this Aaron Rodgers window. And we've talked about the decision to draft Jordan Love time and time again, so I'm not going to spend time on that anymore. But, like, that 
2020 draft, you do think now like the the draft analysis, while they might have been wrong in their evaluation on Jordan Love, AJ Dillon made two instant of reactions to that. I can't say they're wrong when you know if they get a few more early impact players, more NFL ready players, players that can contribute to this team right away, that maybe they do end up getting a Super Bowl over 2020, 2021. And honestly, you know, those players in the 2020 class have not developed like we thought. You got two solid starters in AJ Dillon, John running out of there. But other than that, it's it's not been great. I mean, Kamal Martin got cut this past training camp. Uh, Josiah DeGuara, you can pretty much count this past year as his second year. And I still have hope for him to be a, a kind of a Swiss Army knife for this offense, but has not gotten in as involved in the receiving game um, as we had hoped he would be after watching what he did in Cincinnati uh, University, that is. So 2020 just kind of maybe a missed opportunity, but, you know, the obvious thing to that is that if Jordan Love ends up to be a franchise quarterback for this team for the next 15, 10, 15 years, it does not matter at all what happens past pick 26. It's all right, we got Jordan Love. Um, maybe, you know, in 2005, they got Nick Collins, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. So maybe like one of these players will suddenly have a, a big breakout year. I don't know. But overall, Gudikins has done solid dra- job at drafting. He's kept this Packers philosophy um, going, the one that has been run with Ted Thompson, with Ron Wolf. So, uh, and well, who um, who's uh, Mike, not Mike McCarthy, but Mike Sherman, who was, I can't believe they gave him head coaching GM job. Folks, if Vince Lombardi cannot handle both GM and head coach in the year 1967, then it is time to say no. To that, like Bill Belichick is the only exception, but sorry for that tangent. Don't give a guy head coach and GM jobs, right? Like, look at Bill O'Brien. He got mad about something that DeAndre Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins was mean to him. So he gets an awful deal for uh, Hopkins to Arizona and completely puts that franchise up in flames. But, anyways, um, good against draft classes have been good, there's been bad. Uh, Big B, what are your overall thoughts on this five years of history for Gudikins in the draft now? Yeah, I think, I think, I mean, I think Brian has done okay. I mean, you have what the 2018 draft is, I mean, mm-hmm. hit on Jair Alexander, and then you also get a very decent player in Marquez Valdez Scantling. Yep. So, how I think of it, if you hit on your first round pick and then you get at least one to two other at least role players or decent players that contribute later in the draft I mean I call that wins so I mean he's done that pretty much every year he's been the GM so I I think he's done a great job um in the draft and you know 2020 we'll have to see not of course with Jordan Love and Josiah DeGuara who hasn't really got many or much playing time, really. But he is the really the only tight end under contract currently. So, I mean, he might actually get more playing time as an actual tight end this year. Yeah. You never know. So, yeah, 
overall, I think Goot has done a great job at drafting, and I'm excited to see what he does this year. Yeah, what you mentioned there about, like, what you consider a successful draft. I do think Packers fans lose sight of that sometimes. Like they, I guess they think that every other team is having five out of eight picks hit uh, every single draft. That is not the case. The draft is very difficult. And what's crazy is like the Kansas city chiefs who are considered the gold standard at everything in the NFL, like Brett beach is a, a, I wouldn't say awful, but he's a pretty bad drafter. Like, this man drafted Clyde Edwards to Lair and the first round of the draft when Andy Reid's system does, does not use that. I mean, looking back at the draft history now, I'm not, you know, 2022, actually, like, you get Isaiah Pacheco, who has become a very solid contributor for them on offense in the seventh round, so that's good. George Galloftis, who I love, they got a pick 30. Trent McDuffie, haven't heard too much about him. But, like, looking at... I mean, let's let's look here at the 2020 draft for the Kansas City Chiefs. You got Edwards Hilaire, Willie Gay, Lucas Nyan, Lacharius Seed, Michael Dana, the Nair, the Carius Keys. Like, he's got some decent offensive players, but man, if he didn't get Patrick Mahomes at pick 10, then this man is viewed as a failure, as a, a general manager, really. Yeah. Um like so, every other like every other team doesn't have the draft like the Seattle Seahawks had yeah. this previous year. Like every other franchise does not have that. Like that's rare to get that many solid contributors in their in their rookie year. Like Seattle like absolutely knocked it out of the park. I think we all know that. Yeah. Um, Kenneth Walker is in the running for um offensive rookie of the mm-hmm. year. Like that that thing those that just doesn't happen that often. And yeah, shout out to Seattle's GM for doing that because he has killed he killed it in that draft. Yeah, I mean Seattle as a whole, really. I mean they go into this season so a lot of doubts surrounded around them. They have a really old head coach. They trade away Russell Wilson and they go with Geno freaking Smith as their starting quarterback going into the season. But man, props to them for the the season they had this year. Yes, you know, just talking about the draft gets me so excited. I feel like I'm already feeling the air of spring days in April where we're like previewing draft projects. <sighs> it smells, it smells so good. I need to make that into a candle. Breath crap. That's, that's a great scent right there. Just spring air. Okay. Um, that's evaluation of good, good drafts. And that's all we have about the Packers talk today. One thing I wanted to add in there was um, Bob Harlan did an interview with John Anderson and Tra- uh, Trevor Zegris. I'm probably not saying Trevor's last name wrong, but just did an outstanding interview with them. I'm about halfway through it on Inside Wisconsin. So make sure you check that out because he talks a lot about the business side of the Packers. So if you're like me and Big B and care about that really niche stuff, it's a great interview for you. It was great to hear Bob talk about that because we don't see him or hear from him that much. And props to him. Great for him. I hope he's enjoying his life. Um, out there just secluded in retirement, having a few brewskis. Uh, hopefully staying healthy. He's got great, great son, a great granddaughter, uh, who are great, both great in broadcasting for the NFL. So love me some Bar Harlan, uh, Bob Harlan. Make sure you check that interview out. Um, Big B, any other thoughts you wanted to add on the Packers or 
Do you have your Wisconsin hat on? Are you excited for Luke Fickle? Oh, yeah, I'm so excited. This is the most excited I have been to watch a Badger season in, um, I think, ever. So I cannot wait until they start up. we got a squad this year. We're coming for the national championship. You heard it here first. We're winning that thing. First year, Luke Fickle will get it done, baby. Let's go. Well, I was shocked here that they were able to get him. I don't know why he left Cincinnati, but I know very, very few college football head coaches, but Luke has been one that I've heard about over the past few years. Like he seems, he seems to be all right. So, Hey, uh, Mizzou's in the SEC. So I don't really care what you guys are up doing in the big 10. So have fun with that, I guess. Yeah. He's a big 10 guy. He uh, coached at Ohio state. So, um, I mean, he said, that he's always wanted to come to Wisconsin. So, hey, we're happy to have him because he's absolutely killed it in recruiting. And we actually got quarterbacks who might yeah. actually be above average for once. So, woohoo. You know, I want to read more about college football because it seems like this year, I know they had an all time high for players in the transfer portal, which was, it was an insane number. And just the business of it all is just crazy. And like just life for these players is so weird like compared to the normal college student just such a very different experience for them so yeah they they got a lot of quarterbacks I know this year hopefully I know I remember that one game that Graham Mertz had against I think Illinois where he crushed it and everybody was big fans of him and then that that changed very quickly yeah I don't know what happened there like he Came out looking like Patrick Mahomes, and then he just fell off the steepest cliff I have ever seen in my life. And I'm glad he's gone, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did did he transfer to uh, Florida? I believe so. I think he transferred to a Florida college. I'm not sure Hmm. what Florida college, since there's probably like 230 in that state. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's all we got for you today here on the Underage Packers podcast. We thank you. For listening, um, hey, we are not going to anywhere to earn this offseason. Like I said in our last episode, the offseason can be even more fun, at least for these podcast episodes, when we have something to talk about with free agency, the draft, training camp, my favorite time of the calendar year, baby. So, hey, we still got, what, six, seven months until then, but we can get hyped now. We're we're in pre-camp mode all the time, really. So, Thank you so much for watching. Make sure you subscribe to to this YouTube channel. Follow us on all the social medias. And we'll talk to you later. As always, go Pack Go.